Ludus Novus, Episode 10, from March 13, 2008. Eliza is dead. Hello everyone, I'm Gregory Weir, and this is Ludus Novus, the podcast that looks at interactive entertainment as art. I was having a discussion with a friend lately. Uh, she and I are working on a, a game that hopefully will be submitted to, to a competition pretty soon. I'll have more news on that as it progresses. Anyway, we were discussing whether the illusion of player agency is valid player agency or, or, or is valid in a piece of interactive work. The, the idea was that you would make the player believe that they have agency and yet have the internal simulation, the algorithm of the game, not actually implement that agency. So I, I'm going to give you a couple of thought experiments here. Let's suppose that we have a game where the player is, is playing a character and is having conversations. And these conversations consist of them saying things to a non-player character and the character asking questions back and an exchange of, of words. Suppose that these questions are posed in such a way that the player believes that the NPC and the game care what their response is, but those responses are just discarded and the NPC reacts the same way regardless, let's say, gets mad and storms out, and the player assumes that it's due to her actions, her choices in the conversation. In that case, is the player, does the player retain their sense of agency? Does the game successfully create that experience, the, the positive experience of player agency, even though the algorithm doesn't incorporate any player agency in it. My, my initial reaction to that is no. The, the player agency is removed because you don't actually have the choice. If you, if you play through another time, made different choices, then, then you'd get different results, and it would obviously break down. The illusion would be broken down. But let's assume for the sake of this discussion that the player is only playing through one time, so the illusion won't break down in that sense. This illusion of player agency is maintained. 
does that is that a good thing for the game? Is that a bad thing for the game? Uh, let me phrase this in a, in a different uh, different way. Uh, I, th- I think this is the same question. We're, we've got a role-playing game where you're you're exploring a world, and let's say that you're you start out on a farm and you have the ability to explore the the land in any direction, and the author of the game wants the player character to encounter uh, an evil band of monsters. We allow the player to travel in any direction, but where whichever direction they travel in, half a mile off away from the farm they encounter these monsters. We just place them there. It's a magician's force. We we say, pick a card, any card, and then we always have them pick the three of spades. In this case, the player has made a choice, but it's ended up with the same results. They don't truly have agency. They, they don't have the option of going where the hobgoblins aren't going to attack. But at the same time, they have this freedom of choice. They They've chosen, to a certain extent, they've chosen uh, maybe the location where the hobgoblins will encounter them. Is this valid player agency, is this illusion of player agency a valid way of allowing the the player to incorporate their choices into the game? Essentially, this is a question of player agency is the game reacting to the player's actions. It's it's having the, the, the player make meaningful choices in the progress of the game. If the player makes a meaningful choice, but the outcome is the same each time, that is, if there's no simulation, if there's no simulation in the in the program of the video game or in the, the script of the uh, piece of interactive fiction or whatever, if there's not a simulation behind that reaction that incorporates the player's actions, is there still player agency? If it's just an illusion of choice, do they still? Does the player still have valid agency? Is this still interactive, even though no matter which way they chose, they'd get the same response? I'm going to make a proposal here, and I'm. I'm you may not agree with me. I, I'm not sure. I I'd love to hear comments if you don't agree with me. But you can essentially see a video game engine, the the program that presents a piece of digital interactive entertainment to to a player as an artificial simulated game master. So in role-playing games, you have a game master, which is an actual, you, uh, you assume, flesh-and-blood person who is providing the content for the game experience, who is guiding the, the, this interactive narrative through its progression. They are the ones that play all the NPCs. They're the ones that make the rules and determine the rules uh, maybe from a source book or maybe out of their heads as to how the system, how the game world reacts to the player's actions. That's in a role-playing game. Digital interactive entertainment is much the same way. In a video game, there is a system that exists that holds the rules, holds the game content, and reacts to the player's actions and provides the, the story progression. So in, in a sense, the game engine, the, the digital interactive entertainment program, is an artificial game master. Therefore, when you are designing a game, you are creating an artificial intelligence, that is, a, a machine intelligence, an artificial brain, that is simulating a real-life game master. Does that make sense? I'll, I'll go over that again. A game program is a simulated artificial game master. 
it's it's analogous to a role-playing game, except instead of the game master being played by a flesh-and-blood person, it's being played by a program, an algorithm of some kind. This then ties into some of the questions governing artificial intelligence. So, by asking, is the illusion of player agency the same as player agency, we're, in a sense, asking the question, is the illusion of intelligence true intelligence? If it seems to be acting as a GM would, realistically, in response to their actions, this is assuming that the GM themselves isn't doing magician's force or ignoring the player's actions, just having a, a, a settled outcome. If there's that illusion that there is a real-life GM that's incorporating the player's choices, is that just as valid? Is that just as interactive as if it actually incorporated the player's agent, the player's actions and, and gave them quote-unquote true agency? This question of an AI, which is, is the simulation of intelligence or the illusion of intelligence the same as intelligence has been discussed a lot. One, one of my favorite thought experiments for this is the Chinese room, and I'll discuss that after the break. The Chinese Room is a thought experiment uh, presented by a philosopher named John Searle. I hope I'm pronouncing his last name right. Um, Searle was talking about the Turing test. He was saying that the Turing test is that if, if you've got an artificially intelligent program that can successfully fool a person into believing that it is a real person, then it is actually artificially intelligent. Um, Searle claimed that this wasn't the case. He claimed that a simulation of intelligence, no matter how realistic, is still a simulation, and therefore the, the machine is not actually thinking. So he said, let's suppose that we want to make an artificial Chinese person, an artificial person who understands Chinese. We write a computer program, we give it uh, a database of Chinese knowledge, we allow it, we give it a process for translating Chinese, and even if it is able to converse and seem like a Chinese person, Searle claims that it is not actually knowing Chinese because it's merely a simulation, and he provides this thought experiment. He says that this Chinese-speaking program is analogous to a Chinese room. It is a room in which there is a person who does not understand Chinese let's say, me. I'm sitting in this room, and I have with me a, a tremendous tome, an amazing book that provides me with corresponding phrases in Chinese for anything anyone could say to me. So we're, we're assuming this hypothetical imaginary book that 
if if you say something to me in Chinese, I can look up in the book the perfect response to that and find out what it is. I, it doesn't tell me what it means, what you said, what what I'm saying, but I know the response to it. And suppose that we pass, we have a locked door, and we pass notes in Chinese under this door. I take a note, I look it up in the Chinese book, I write a response on the back of the note, and I slip it back under. To the person outside, because of this miraculous book, it would seem as if I am understanding Chinese. But, Searle says, I don't speak Chinese because I don't understand Chinese. So, even though this is a perfect simulation of a Chinese speaker, it still isn't real because it's simulation. It's not real Chinese thought. It's not real Chinese speech. Um, there are all sorts of retorts to this. I think this is this is poppycock myself. Poppycock is such a good word. Um, I think it's nonsense. Uh, I, I accept that the typical argument that yes, the person cannot speak Chinese any more than a CPU, uh, you know, a, a microchip, can think, but. With the book, with the database, and the algorithm that's that's associated with it, the entire system, the room is in fact speaking Chinese. So, we were presented with this in, in a similar situation. If if our video game does not actually incorporate player agency, then we're talking here about a Chinese room in which the man inside discards what slipped under the door. He doesn't pay attention to it. He, he's not looking it up in an index. He's just l writing out the next entry from his book. And and keep in mind that we're that I'm talking here about high level narrative. Obviously, if your button presses have no effect on the game, it breaks the illusion. So we're assuming here that this is an effective illusion. That this this magical video game book is so well written that it fools the person outside into thinking that it's responding to their actions even though it's not. It's not incorporating that data, or it's pulling a magician's force. It's giving you the same response no matter which way you go. Is this... Assuming that it is an effective enough illusion to fool the player, do they actually have agency? Is this actually an interactive game? I'm going to tie in a, a another classic argument here. Uh, instead of tying from computer... taking from computer science here, I'm going to take from, from literature. There's a, a saying, a platitude in literary analysis that is that the author is dead. This is a popular concept that the author's intent in a work is no longer significant as soon as the author finishes with that work. So if I write a book and I say that it is about the plight of the 20th century computer scientist and someone 50 years down the line reads it and says, this really resonates with me as, an, as, as a, a space miner. I, I think that, that it, it's, it's responding, it, it resonates inside my heart as a space miner. They're not, they don't have an invalid interpretation of that work. It's the work is interfacing with the person, and the, what the author intended it for, for it to be is not relevant, or maybe at least not as relevant as the reader's interpretation. So, in this sense, this can easily be mapped to, to video games. We can say, if the developer, the person who wrote the module, the person that wrote the computer game, whatever we're talking about here, if the player sees it one way, it doesn't matter really what the developer intended. I mean, you can incorporate it into your interpretation of a work, but in the end, it's the reader, it's the player that interprets this work. 
But the question I'm asking is not if the author is dead, but if the algorithm is dead. If the player interprets themselves as having agency, as being able to control the progress of the work, does it matter that the algorithm is not actually theoretically allowing them to do so? That, that this is not a, a, an intensive simulation of agency, but a, a simulation of the simulation of agency? Is the algorithm dead? If if the author is dead, is the algorithm dead too? I'm, I'm not really sure. the The title here is is taken from the program Eliza, which the the, the creator of Eliza died recently. So it goes. It was a program, a, a chatbot that simulated being a psychologist. It was in effect an early piece of interactive entertainment, of interactive literature, if you will. It's portraying a character, the character of Eliza, who in some cases is a psychologist, a psychiatrist, a therapist. The person that interacts with Eliza, at least at first, there, there are many possibly apocryphal stories of people believing that Eliza is a real person. Although, in reality, all that Eliza was doing was performing simple text transforms. Eliza would take in the text you made. You know, If you mentioned, I'm eating an orange right now, it would take that in, strip it out, try and find important words like, for example, a noun, and say, how do you feel about oranges, or what's significant about oranges? It would also respond to keywords. If you mentioned your mother, it would instantly go, oh. Freudian analysis, and it would say, oh, tell me more about your mother, or did you have problems with your family? And it was not really, you were not really guiding Eliza's responses beyond a very simple amount, but people believed that Eliza was intelligent. People believed that they had agency when talking to Eliza, and I, I just don't know. If the author is dead, and if the algorithm is dead, it may be that Eliza was truly interactive. I mean, if the, if the player thinks that they have choice, that they have control, and if they if that illusion is not shattered by a second playthrough or or by something that, that the game gives away, I'm not sure that they're wrong. I think that that might still qualify as interactive work. Eliza, even though it's only interactive in the simplest sense of the word, if you look at the simulation, if you look at the algorithm, I think that because it gives, or because it at least gave at one point, that actual experience of interaction, of control by the player, by the converser, I, I, don't, I don't know that you can rightfully say that it's not truly interactive. Well, I'd like to hear what you think. If you've got a comment on this, uh, I'd really appreciate it if you would leave a comment on, on the, the blog at ludusnovus.net. I like hearing from you, and hopefully I'll continue doing these podcasts decently regularly. We'll, we'll see how my schedule holds up. Ludus Novus is available under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial 3.0 license. The music for this episode is The Acorns, Seeding Time in the Oak Room by Love Shadow, and is also available under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial 3.0 license. See you around. <laughs>